A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hi, Redefining Yoga listeners. We've got a big update for you. We're revamping our podcast and we're now proudly known as Redefining Movement. We've always been more than just yoga, but we feel that the word movement really encompasses you and why you come here. And that's not all the changes we're making. We're also slowing down our cadence a bit to five fantastic episodes a month. Why, you ask? This will allow us to be more intentional with the top-notch content that you already love and know. And guess what? We've got some incredible special series lined up that you won't want to miss. Get ready for even higher quality interviews, expert insights, and a fresh perspective on movement. So hit that subscribe button to stay in the loop. Keep moving. It's a thrilling journey, and we're excited to have you along for the ride. Before you listen to the podcast, I want to tell you about one of my favorite things in the world, the Lit Teacher Training. Creating this comprehensive teacher training really felt like my life's work compilation, and I hold nothing back. My mission is for everyone to know and understand the whole body, functional movement, and the how and why behind the movement choices we make to feel empowered, transforming your own lives, and sharing that knowledge with others. In the Lit Teacher Training, we investigate the poses and transitions, the energy flow through this vessel of our body, and work to move through space with increased precision and fluidity to create more joy and fun. So ask yourself, are you enjoying the life you're living in your body? If you're not fully, there's no better time than now to create new pathways and new opportunities. And with that fresh palette, attempt to emphasize growth and connection rather than accomplishment. Learning how to give people feedback in their bodies so that they retrain their own neural pathways and habitual movement patterns is truly a gift, and you will get that in this training. With both our self-guided and in-real-time virtual experience, the 10-week training is rich in functional anatomy from my background as a physical therapist, methodology, and yogic philosophy through a modern-day lens. Like the hundred of others around the world, you will complete the training with new skills, sound knowledge, and confidence to teach others. And you have access to the training for life. Finally, our Lit Teacher community is vibrant and supportive, and being a part of it is like having all your friends with who you speak the same language with the same passion. So join this experience for reverence of the body as the container of the divine to change your life. Go to LitYogaTraining.com, and I can't wait for you to join our community. I'm Laura Hyman, and welcome to Redefining Movement, a lit podcast designed to investigate all aspects of movement, 
from my background in physical therapy and neuroscience. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter movement patterns and compassion for ourselves and others, so together we can live our most uplifted lives, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I'm so honored to have with me Tom Walters, another physical therapist. Tom is a board-certified orthopedic physical therapist that specializes in the treatment of pain and movement disorders. He's the founder of Rehab Science. Make sure you check out his Instagram page, which is awesome and has a robust following. And he's dedicating his time to teaching people about human movement, pain, and how to most effectively recover from injury. Sound familiar? Yes, we have a lot in common. We really believe in this holistic approach and helping people understand pain and not be a victim of it. Besides running his clinical practice, Tom served as a full-time undergraduate kinesiology professor for eight years where he taught human biomechanics, therapeutic exercise, and pain science. He has just published his new book, and you're going to have to check it out. We talk about it all on the podcast today. It's called Rehab Science, How to Overcome Pain and Heal from Injury. Again, really enjoy my conversation with the brilliant Tom Walters. Welcome, Tom. I am so thrilled to have another physical therapist and another physical therapist with such a powerhouse um, background of experience and from Santa Barbara. Woo! Thank you, Laura. Thanks for having me. So great to be on here and uh, just opportunity to talk about all this stuff. So thank you. You're so welcome. Well, let's launch in. Um, first of all, I don't, you, I don't detect that you're not from Santa Barbara, right? You sound, you <laughs> well, sound Midwestern to me. That is uh, amazing <laughs> that you picked up on that. Yeah, I grew up in Montana, so I, um, oh. you know, it's funny though because a lot of people, because of how I look, and I use words like totally. A lot yeah. of people think I'm a surfer, but it's amazing. You're one of the only people that's ever picked up. I do say some things I think that sound a little Canadian sometimes. Uh, yes, yeah. You know, oh, so, big sky country. I love right. Montana. Exactly. Yeah. We, so my husband funny. and I biked through Montana years ago on our way. We biked across the country, and, and Montana was one of our favorite uh, states. It's just beautiful. So growing up in Montana, what's your background? How did you How did you become interested in movement, the body, athletics? Tell us. Yeah. You know, I think to some degree, I just had sort of, uh, it was just sort of ingrained in me to be interested in kind of exercise and movement. But it, a lot of it, funny enough, stemmed from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was really into the Ninja Turtles as a kid. And that took me down the road of starting martial arts. And I think martial arts and then that turned into, I added gymnastics and later. But, you know, I didn't realize at the time, but those are such great endeavors when you're interested in learning about your body and just kinesiology and sort of movement awareness. So I look back now as a physical therapist, I'll often have people comment on uh, my posts and me because I'm doing exercises and people will say, oh, you have such great movement control. And I think a lot of that goes back to martial arts and gymnastics. You know, I mean, I just always right. you're working on body awareness and control. And so I that was my whole career was kind of in Taekwondo and I originally thought the year I graduated from high school, Taekwondo became an Olympic sport. And so my original plan was to not go to college and just train for the Olympics and try to see how far I could take Taekwondo, but ended up not going that route. And uh, really, I was mainly in high school interested in movement and exercise for performance re reasons, right? Like jumping higher, running faster, all that stuff. And then I had a knee surgery at high school. I had a bipartite patella, so I guess it was just born with it in two pieces. And a little tiny fragment was sort of lodged in my patellar tendon. So when I'd land from jumping, it would hurt. 
And so I had that taken out. And of course, back then, you know, people were immobilized longer. So I was putting a straight knee immobilizer and kept there for six weeks. And I really atrophied and developed a contracture. And I went to physical therapy after that. That was sort of my first exposure to kind of this idea of pathokinesiology and thinking about exercise for rehab. Mm-hmm. And that sort can of you just on- pause right there? Just um, just define pathokinesiology yeah. to anybody who's listening. Yeah, it's sort of like the idea of thinking about abnormal human movement. Yeah, so pathological human movement, and uh, I didn't really learn that term until I was in college. But I think that was interesting. Yeah, I started being introduced to what is it like when your movement system isn't functioning well, and how can exercise help there? And my parents were both at healthcare in. Uh, my mom's a psychiatric nurse practitioner. My dad's a social worker. And so I was kind of in a very psychosocial household, but just worked in hospitals. When I was in college. And, you know, when I went to undergrad, I studied exercise science. And it was really, I really didn't enjoy high school. But when I got to undergrad and took anatomy and physiology, I became I was kind of obsessed with that material. And Looked at lots of career options, but based on my exercise background and interest and kind of exercise, physical therapy just was the best fit. And so, yeah, I went, did the DPT, and then uh, I finished that in 2007. And pretty much since that time have been in orthopedics and kind of sports medicine, some of it, you know, in out regular outpatient orthopedics, a little bit of travel PT. I was a PT for Cirque du Soleil for a little bit. Um, and then... I saw that. That's so cool. Such yeah. An, such oh an amazing... God. Uh, job to have for that period of time. And then I taught kinesiology for eight years, really full-time, taught biomechanics and and therapeutic exercise and pain science. And so I really, uh, I think at my roots, I'm really more of an educator, but um, I just love musculoskeletal, you know, medicine and rehab. So that's, yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. It really sounds like your background. I just love that you came from this psychosomatic background with your parents and how that kind of just is infused, whether you realize it or not, because that is a huge component, I think, that is missing in in our modern medical model, um, that pain and suffering and even musculoskeletal conditions themselves can be so psychological, right? Um, So you were talking about your teaching kinesiology and pain science. Let's just go right into my first question. How important is biomechanics? Yeah, right. This is a controversial topic. Oh, Um, I know, because I I know. We we both know the PTs who are like, oh, posture doesn't matter, and you can do this in any way, and you can load in range and blah, blah, blah. So um, I'm not a black or white person, but I also think that that's... um, people read stuff in black or white. And that's the problem is yes. that at, at our essence, we, we, anyway, I, I know my opinions. I want to hear about <laughs> yours. <laughs> well, I think I probably agree with it a lot of ways. There's so mm-hmm. much nuance and there's so much gray area when you're actually talking to someone who's in pain. Right. And we know, you know, I mean, right. There's studies out there that show that, you know, that posture often doesn't correlate well to pain. And I think basically those studies are kind of pointing us down the road of there's not really good and bad posture. There's just posture that I think people become sort of sensitive to. And, you know, so you have some people when they sit up straight, that hurts them. And you have some people when they slouch, it hurts them. And I think every person in their pain system is unique. And to me, posture and biomechanics, right? When you think about biomechanics, you're essentially thinking about force on your musculoskeletal system, right? Like physics, kind of the physics and mechanics of your musculoskeletal system. And I think 
there's always force and stress on our system. And, you know, a lot of us are in situations where it's just our body weight, we're sitting at work or standing and something hurts. And, you know, so I think in some of those instances, like you just alluded to, pain is really complex. And for some people, it's more psychological, driven by emotions and thoughts and things. But you have some people where the biological side, the tissue side is the main driver of their pain. And I think in some of those cases, posture, you can become, maybe you're in a posture for too long and you become sensitive to that. And as physical therapists and movement practitioners, we're helping people, you know, to learn to kind of move out of that posture and change position to reduce sensitivity. And then I think the other part, posture does really become more apparent or more important is when you have more load on your system, you know? And I think we end up talking about that a lot with like weightlifting or in a sport where somebody's accelerating like a soccer player who's running and cutting, right? Like as soon as the force goes up on your system, then I think that biomechanics and posture becomes even more relevant. So that's kind of where I'm Yeah, at on I think it. what you're alluding to is is what we always face as physical therapists is there's not an answer. Like people will talk about movement and it's like, well, there's many components. There's mobility, there's stability, there's flexibility of the tissues, there's power, there's motor coordination, you know, there's proprioceptive, interoceptive. It's like, okay, all of them are contributing factors. So yes, or and and more people get attached to an and it's not their fault because again the system tells them you know you you're, you have low back issues because your disc or stenosis or whatever and then it like then that's where your brain goes and it's yeah, like it you're hyper focused on that so in your work what are um how do you help people like what are some of the ways that you start to i guess almost unwrap um unpack people's perceptions of pains and their the experience in it yeah uh i'm glad you're asking that because i think like you said before this i think we're getting better in pt and in healthcare about this but it still has a long ways to go and i really value that kind of psychosocial upbringing i had because i really it does influence a ton of what i do i more and more realize how much physical therapy is really therapy and mm -hmm. i think what i'm unpacking that with people you know, of course, it's sort of analyzing where they're at and their belief system. But you have a lot of people, unfortunately, who have beliefs about pain that are very are overly weighted in terms of posture, structure and biomechanics. And I think sometimes it's trying to plant seeds to help them understand other things, stresses in life, lack of sleep, nutrition habits, like all these other things that we know can contribute to making the pain system more sensitive. So I think at first I'm kind of trying to figure out where people are sort of on that spectrum. You know, how open are they to different information? And when I was a young PT, I think if somebody had beliefs that I perceived to be faulty, I would have sort of attacked those. And often people kind of push back, right? Like they, you know, if those beliefs are held, are strongly held, then they, it's hard to change beliefs. So I think nowadays I'm more in kind of the realm of just planting seeds and trying to help people think, you know, hey, did you know that this actually has been shown to be associated with pain as well? And trying to bring some of those things in um, to the picture and and just kind of, we know in the research, right, that when people understand kind of what, most of us don't understand our bodies and we don't understand how pain works. Um, and so, try to bring in some of that information, just kind of teach people what pain is, that it actually is a helpful, valuable thing when it's functioning correctly. But sometimes it's information. that can go wrong. Exactly. You know? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, people look at pain in a negative way, but really pain is super positive, right? You hear stories of people who are born who don't have pain and 
you know, that doesn't go well. So I think try to reframe pain a little bit and then kind of teach them about what exactly is pain, how does it work, what are the factors that influence pain. And then once we've kind of talked about that, what are some strategies for kind of moving forward to best address it? So that's kind of how I approach it these days. I think that's smart. And I I imagine that um, people also appreciate it, at least in my experience, that it is something that is um, not necessarily one easy fix, but that it also isn't that's the, you know, like sometimes if the root cause is all all that they can focus on, like, again, my low back is weak or bad or whatever, and they're not realizing like, well, actually, that's just, that's speaking to you right now, but it might not even be in your back. That's the, that is the imbalance. I think that actually gives them more hope. You know, it's like, oh, there's, there's an, there's many other ways in to, to uh, rehabbing and improving. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You know, you hear, in the pain world, you hear this concept of sort of thought viruses. And I like a lot of people have these negative thought viruses that have been passed to them when it comes into pain, whether it's from a practitioner or the internet or friends, you know, you hear these beliefs all the time. And like you said, people can kind of latch onto them and it ends up, you know, it makes that process more difficult, getting out of pain more difficult because they, this, that belief can keep them almost in that pain state and making them feel like maybe they can't get better all the way or they're doomed or you know i've got degenerative disc disease or you know i've got some arthritic oh, yeah. change the la- they label uh, the label becomes i don't want to say it's comfortable but it's a com- it's what you know so it's comfortable because then you can set your limits like well i can't do that because i've you know whatever and and it just but it is ultimately a very limited mindset and i think what we try and teach is the body and the brain is inherently um you know plastic and and malleable you know we really are more malleable, and that's why going in like you said in those early years to taekwondo i was looking around i can't get it right now but i have one my my son's bamboo stick that yeah. he used for some of his forms and i love using it now um but i often say the same thing it's not that i'm stronger it's that i'm more integrated i've had more years of being integrated and i but it's always an option to improve the you know the state that you're in yeah how do you speak to um the kind of general population not the athletes and not even the seniors like what are some of the things that you want to encourage somebody that's listening right now that um might work for themselves at home or might work at a desk and what are some ways that and and we're going to talk about your book because tom wrote a very dense book that's made for all of you but um, what are some tips that you give people to improve their awareness of their body, to improve energy, to improve the way it feels, the muscular tension that accumulates? Yeah, I think, um, right, there's so many different kind of strategies and it's going to vary a little bit based on the person. But I think, you know, at just a base level, probably things people have heard a lot um, are going to be things like sleep quality and getting enough sleep, right? Like that's such a huge thing in the musculoskeletal system with the pain system. So much of our body heals and remodels when we're asleep. And so I think those kind of, you know, some of these um, maybe overarching kind of things, you know, I think um, nutrition sort of type concepts of trying to reduce inflammation in the body. We see so many of these chronic conditions being linked to inflammation now. And I think this Western diet isn't helping anything. And we see so much research on that. And, but I think when you start getting into maybe more movement and exercise focused things, I think there's so much of a place just for general, just increasing the amount of general movement, you know, 
And finding things people enjoy. Uh, I yes. think, you know, physical therapy for a long time was so specific. Like you had to do this exercise for this thing. And, you know, you take low back pain, for example. You see research now showing that there are so many different types of exercise that all have a positive impact on back pain. Pilates, yoga, stretching programs, resistance training, um, just walking, right? So I think at the end of the day, of course, there's definitely a place I think for if you have the time and the motivation to add in kind of specific therapeutic exercises that target a region of discomfort. But at the same time, just finding something that gets you moving and that you enjoy that, um, you know, it could be just kind of general movement, um, obviously finding something that's kind of more maybe exercise based and gets your heart rate up. There's just so many benefits to just just getting moving. And I think, yes. you know, and then when you get into the specific types of strategies, I, in orthopedic PT, we'll often kind of work through different types of strategies, right? Like in the book, I broke all the programs into three phases and like phase one is all about kind of reducing pain and discomfort. And a lot of times in those cases, we'll use kind of self massage, self mobilization techniques, which are really popular nowadays, like a ball or tennis ball, a cross ball, foam roller, all these things that you can kind of just implement that give kind of ter- temporary relief, you know, a certain mobility exercises and stretches often are helpful for those kind of situations. And then I think, you know, when you look at maybe longer term changes, more of these kind of movement control and resistance training exercises where you're loading the tissue, sometimes that seems counterintuitive to people because they're like, it's uncomfortable. Like, occupational neck pain as an example you know people get neck pain while they're at work and everybody wants to go and massage their traps and their levator and stretch everything and that stuff can help temporarily but and it maybe it's counterintuitive but there's research out there showing that actually loading those muscles and strengthening them can also help reduce pain so i think those are probably some of the kind of primary strategies i'm talking to people about is like these overarching principles let's try to just move more and then if you have the motivation and it's not too boring to you to do a few rehab exercises. Maybe we think about some of these more specific kind of musculoskeletal type strategies. I love that because it's like, like you said, with the neck, it's like increasing the tissue capacity. So it's not going to be like barking at you all day um, because it's just, if it has enough strength, that's, I remember teaching people like stop stretching. This is actually Mm -hmm. that elongated trapezius is really needs to be strengthened. And it is so counterintuitive, but I think this is where learning from a professional is important um, in these ways because some of that is is not covered um, just by maybe a general like trainer or something. Um, and I know that's the reason you wrote your book, which we're going to get into in a minute, but we also have, you also have a very strong online social media presence. So let's just go into that for a moment. Um, like, when did you start doing that? And I'm dying to know, like, I, I can't even imagine your DM box because mine is like very large. What are the things people ask you in your in your DMs? Because it's kind of funny, the things that I get asked. Oh, yeah. No, there are some. Yeah, there's some, you know, and you can appreciate uh, the cool thing about social media, right, is you can interact with people all over the world. So the unfortunate and unfortunate thing is that you know, you have the ability to reach people who don't always have access to good care. I end up talking to a lot of people who are in countries where they don't even have physical therapy as an option, you know? And so 
I end up getting a lot of DMs from people living internationally who are looking for help with different things, you know, and often don't speak English well, but want to send MRIs and, you know, a lot of that stuff. And it's hard, right? You get so many of them. I wish I could respond to everyone, but it's, and we know in PT, it, 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 it can be difficult in a lot of situations to give really accurate suggestions when you can't perform an evaluation and kind of test the person and see what's going on. So but at the same time, social media is so neat in that over the years of doing this, you know, I, I started on Instagram right at the beginning of 2017. And it's been really neat to see how these kind of general posts, you know, because often I will show a condition and then they, people can swipe through to exercises and there'll be five or six exercises. And right, it's so general uh, in terms of what we know we do in physical therapy, where someone comes in, we perform this hour long evaluation and then give them a very specific kind of plan. It's really neat to see a general post like that help so many people. And mm -hmm. that has been a big motivator in keeping me going. But I basically started this. I had, when I started getting involved on social media, I had been a PT for about 10 years. So I think I had a good concept of common questions, common patterns. I think most humans follow a lot of the same patterns. And so I uh, just thought, you know, I'll start putting content out kind of on a daily basis that answers some of these questions. There were also just a lot of myths that were frustrating to me that I wanted to kind of debunk that were these kind of nocebic opposite of the placebo, placebo messages that were harmful to people. Patients would come in and tell me, like we were talking about earlier, some belief they had. And so I kind of wanted to push back against some of those. But what would yeah, be one been... of the what would be one of those that is like the big, the most notorious that you've had to push yeah. back against? Oh gosh, you know, it was so much of these kind of labels. Um, mm -hmm. And often some of these, um, you know, one example would be the idea that people, I don't want to call out particular professions because there's good and bad of everything, but you know, where the idea that maybe somebody needs to, that basically messages that would the practitioner would tell a person they need to keep coming back and sort of create dependency. I know it's yes, yes, so, you know, yes. Some passive intervention, like a manipulation or adjustment or whatever it was, and I just think the research doesn't support that. And I have always felt, and again, I think coming from that psychosocial background, really, I really felt strongly about trying to help people boost the self-efficacy of people and kind of teaching them how to self-manage and. We know that exercise and movement have the best evidence for pain and injuries. And so that was a, one that really bothered me. I hated it when patients came in and felt like the only way they could get out of their pain was to keep going back to this person who would fix them. Yes, totally. I, I That's a big one for me as well, because you're right. It takes it's so uh, it takes your power away. You know, um, oh, I really suffered for two weeks until I got an appointment with my blah, blah, blah. And it's like, OK, why? <laughs> you know, like. What, you know, at the end of the day, we have the best tools for ourselves. We just have to be taught them. And yep. they're, yeah. I, I always tell people, you know, I, I've always been kind of an anxious person and for a period of time was seeing somebody for that. And the thing that really helped me was actually this cognitive behavioral therapy kind of workbook that I could go back to. And it allowed me to kind of, that person helped me find strategies that allowed me to self-manage those symptoms. And I always think, what if that person had told me the only way you'll get better from this is to keep coming and seeing me every week so I can kind of reset you? Yeah. I yeah. just, I would never, you know, I think pain, especially chronic pain, shares a lot of similarities to, you know, other chronic conditions like maybe anxiety and depression and things like that, where you have these kind of sensitive circuits. And I think it's such a disservice to people to make them feel like they have to 
constantly keep coming back to see you and that's the mm. only way they can be better mm, i love that yes i love that and it's just like it's kind of like rehab is rehab science is your name and and rehab on all forms is ultimately it's self-imposed it, it, like it is self-directed like no one can do the work for you whether it's re- like getting off of drugs or alcohol or, or or helping your body it's like the end of the day, I always I always say that it's the good news and the bad news is it's totally in your hands. <laughs> you really can't pay anybody else to do it. They can help you, but you have to do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It requires such an active component, and but it, like you said, it is so cool that with the with education, and then when it comes to musculoskeletal symptoms, pain and injury, that movement and exercise, which you can do on your own, you can get yourself better. I mean, most conditions get better with time, mm-hmm. and the right you know movement exercise. So. I think that's so cool, but yeah, of course the person has to know that and take some responsibility and kind of get out of that mindset of just fix me, you know, and yeah. just being passive. So what would you give it, you know, I, I, as a as a clinician, as the author of this book, uh, uh, um, how would you tell the people? It's almost like a running meme, like your PT gives you these exercises and, you know, most PTs assume that you're probably not going to do them. Like, um, what? how do you encourage your clients to stick with it or to do something yeah i think for sure right we hear often about adherence to kind of Mm -hmm. pt programs and how much of that is an issue and i think i think unfortunately in a lot of cases adherence drops because patients aren't taught the why really well the education yes because i think to me in all this experience teaching and being online when people understand the why, they're way more likely to stick with these things. Totally. The buy-in is there. For I, sure. I, I totally agree. And that's what we were talking a little bit beforehand, just with my background in bringing it into yoga that, or any into any space. It's just that if people, people want to know that. They don't want to just be directed and told to do this or run through a series of poses. They want to know like, well, why is it why do you want us to do it this way? What is the out, you know, what is the benefit of this? And how are some other ways I can do it if I'm not able to at this point in this manner? And uh, I do think the why is important. I also think some of those PT handouts are just so like 30, 40 years old. They're boring. <laughs> yep. And I know you, I know you're into this concept too, but I think another thing, even when the person has the buy-in, if you tell someone, hey, you've got to do these six exercises all in a group together and it's going to take 30 minutes to 45 minutes, it's never going to happen. And I know you posted about this. I love the idea of kind of like movement snacks. You know, it's like just a lot of rehab stuff doesn't have to be done in an hour, you know, a, a continuous session. You can spread things throughout the day. You could do it while you're brushing your teeth. You could do it while you're driving. Like a, a lot of desensitizing the pain system is just doing these things kind of frequently mm-hmm. it's not doing it's not like going to the gym and you've got to do your three sets of chest exercise you know it's not that yes. kind of it's a different type of goal and I think when people know that I, you know I think over time I give people way less than I did when I was new I might give them two or three things and then also with that message of okay this is why it's helpful and you can spread it out throughout the day you don't have to just do it when it fits in Beautiful. Everybody, any PTs who are listening, this is such good advice because I would much rather them do one or two things spread throughout the day than just, you know, not do anything and not feel like they're getting any better. All right, let's go on to your book. You wrote a book, which is so impressive because I know just from being an active person, sitting and writing, I mean, I, I have a book on my, in my computer that has been there for years and maybe one day I'll get it written, but 
that is like the biggest, that's the hardest thing. But I, um, I'm sure you had a lot of material. How did you decide, A, to write it, and B, how did you decide to format it and then compile it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is such a marathon, like you're speaking to. It's, um, it, it, I really wrote it because I recognize that while the social media education and posts were helpful, I just couldn't get into the nuance like we're getting into here. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want people to look at those posts and think this is all physical therapy is, you know, this little bit of text and five exercises or whatever. So there was just so much education that couldn't be covered. People couldn't find things. It's hard for them to find things. And to I thought, what if I took all this and put it in one comprehensive resource that's sort of like this encyclopedia of pain and injury and you know, the book, the way I organized it was that the first five chapters are all on pain. So in written in a way that the person without a background in any of this can understand. So, um, you know, it's kind of what is pain? Everything we were just talking about, how does the pain system work? What are the different types of pains? You can kind of help figure out what you have. Like, what are the factors that influence pain? How do I best manage it? And then after that, I went into five chapters on what is injury basically. And because a lot of people have this idea that pain equals injury, right? And we know in PT that you could have pain without an injury. You can have an injury without pain that those two things, often they go together, right? If you sprain your ankle and you have an injury, often that does create pain. But we know that there's a lot of times that they aren't one. It isn't a one-to-one relationship. So, you know, kind of going through and talking about different types of injuries, kind of breaking it down by tissue, ligament, tendon, muscle, all these things. How long do those take to heal? Again, what are the factors that go into injury healing? And then, you know, what does it look like to manage injuries as compared to pain? And, and then the... So it kind of goes pain, injury, and then the biggest part of the book is rehab, which is all the programs, and they it covers the 50 most common conditions and has programs that are kind of like what you'd get if you went to a PT. It's pictures of me doing the exercises, and each program goes through th- three phases. So there's a body map, and people can go in there. I've got tennis elbow. What can I go learn about tennis elbow? What are some exercises I can start doing? So you know, all these different conditions that I kind of went through and thought in the years I've been a PT, what are the things that most commonly come into the clinic? And most humans, these are the things most people are going to get. So, and we know that education and exercise and movement have the best evidence. So that was really the goal was just to create this thing. Cause even if you go look online, right, there's so many good resources on YouTube and Instagram, and you can go look at WebMD, but a lot of times figuring out if you don't have a background, it's hard to filter through that and know what to be implementing and you go to a lot of these sites it will just say intervention is physical therapy but there's no there's yeah right so you're just i think there was i just think there was a gap out there and essentially it's a therapeutic exercise book it's like so what are the how does pain work what are the different types of injuries what are the most common conditions and then what are the therapeutic exercises i can start implementing and yeah so that was kind of the motivation. That was really intelligent because you're right. You could have all this stuff on Instagram. It's not searchable. It, you know, it would take for, I mean, because I'm sure you'll, you'll get a message. Hey, I saw your shoulder thing. Can you point me in that direction? And I, I'm like, I, you can scroll. Like, I don't, I, I, we're in the same boat here. Like, it's not like I have some back end uh, glossary or index. And that's really true because. Uh, that's where a book is like, and it's always, you can just grab it and find it no problem. And you can share it with other people. You can learn more about your body and how to prevent the injury in the first place. Because anything that you're doing to rehab, you should also, you can do to prevent it. 
and to that is it. such a good point too and that's something you and i both yeah. notice inherently in this profession but i think that is one thing i've been trying to educate people on across the board is that even though we are technically rehab practitioners and these are exercises that are used during rehab there are of course mobility and resistance training exercises that i use just to keep healthy and reduce the risk of injury so i think yes I don't want people ever to, but you know, a lot of patients have that mindset that rehab exercises are only when I have pain or injury and they don't understand that they are just helpful to your movement system when you're not injured. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I have met people who had great PT experience and got exercises and continue to do them, you know, decades after the fact, because they just recognize like, this is just going to keep me healthy. And even though I'm not in that rehab, and that's the thing too, rehab shouldn't be so limited anyway. But it's this it's this concept that we want to be able to not be in pain and to move in all the different ways and improve mobility and, and tolerance and, and et cetera. So, well, I have... I've seen the book. It looks so impressive. I can't wait to actually dive in and, and get more knowledge. And what are your goals afterwards? Do you want to like go on tour? Do you want to like have mini courses or... Tell us what else you have in store or what you have offering for anybody who gets the book and then really wants to d dive deeper. Yeah, that's a, you know, I think probably what I'll end up doing next is, you know, this is, I was telling you before we got on that, you know, I was up until taking rehab science from kind of just a hobby to thinking about it as more of a business, I was really teaching full time. And so the book is kind of the launching point, I think, of turning rehab science um, into a business. And I think, probably what I've, what will happen next is that while the pictures in the book are really great, I'll create video based kind of courses that people can go through that are, um, maybe body region specific. Like, so maybe you just want to look at the back or you just want to look at the elbow or something and, you know, um, still very education sort of focused, but then also things that right you can right away kind of uh, apply whether they're tests and exercises to kind of start working on things. So That'll probably be the next thing. Book tours are kind of funny. They aren't as they aren't as common anymore just because of how social media works. But, you know, I think uh, to me, being kind of a just loving education, this kind of stuff, like I'll just keep being out there doing podcasts and teaching in this way. I mean, at the end of the day, I just need to stay in education to yes. feel sort of fulfilled. I uh, That's just where I always feel most passionate. So I think It'll just be continuing to kind of go down those education kind of rabbit holes and and yeah. um, see where see where things end up. I mean, I look at what you're doing and kind of what you've created uh, uh, in these spaces over the years. Like that, hopefully, ten years from now, I'm kind of you know, I'd love to like have people who are you know maybe there's like a rehab science certification. I've got all different kinds of movement medical practitioners who think about things in a systematic way like we do as PTs whether they're trainers or yoga instructors whoever and have kind of a system that helps them because inevitably it's not just the PTs who are helping people with pain and injuries right there's mm -hmm. so many practitioners of different backgrounds and I think helping people kind of systematically think through pain and injuries and therapeutic exercises the direction I'll end up going. That's amazing. Well, it's needed for sure. And I know that I, I know that so many different professions are craving this knowledge. You know, um, as I've mentioned to you before, like when yoga teachers weren't having it, didn't didn't get it in their training, it, it's not a good feeling to not feel empowered to be able to help people. Um, and and so much of this doesn't require you to go to PT school. It really doesn't. It's just like having the desire to learn more um, about some 
seemingly complex things that are actually not as complex as we think. <laughs> I think it's, um, I often, you know, the science of how all this stuff works is complex, but mm -hmm. what you end up doing doesn't have to really be that complex. I think at the end of the day, we're kind of helping people find movements that don't threaten their pain system and kind of mm -hmm. get them moving. And if you do that in gradual doses, most people get better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where can everybody find out more about you and Rehab Science and your book, et cetera? Yeah, so I'm um, pretty much at Rehab Science, mostly on Instagram and YouTube. I spend more time on YouTube kind of talking through um, kind of longer form videos. But uh, RehabScience.com, there's stuff on there about the book and uh, programs and things. And then the book is called Rehab Science, How to Overcome Pain and Heal from Injury. It looks like this, and it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's thick. It's 500 pages. So it's, you can it's use a it manual. in a oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. But, and I love the puzzle in the body. That's all so, so cool. Did you come up with that idea? Yes. Yeah. yeah, my logo is kind of like that, kind of this kind of science, um, kind of integrated body type of concept. Mm -hmm. So all the yeah. pieces. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad. And I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly. But sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. To go together. So yeah, it's been such a fun journey and so fun to be out talking about it now. And, it, and people can always, um, you know, DM me on, we were just talking about all the DMs, but I, I try to get back to people. So if anyone has questions about any of this stuff or the book or, you know, is this relevant to me or whatever, they can always reach out. So that sounds so great. Well, thank you for taking the time and best of luck. Um, this is definitely needed. And this book is just amazing. So thank you so much, Tom. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. And for everybody listening, as always, I'm pulling for you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Redefining Movement. If you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to leave us a rating and review or share with someone you know. Check us out at www.litmethod.com.